Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 8. And my text actually today is going to come from Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4. It's a story that's actually found also in Luke. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually pull from all the different accounts. What's really cool is, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus as he walked on the earth. And um, Matthew and John in particular walked with Jesus. Um, John's gospel is a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke's. We actually believe that Mark wrote his gospel down first, and then Matthew and Luke were like, hey, that's a good idea. We should, we should write down some stuff too. Um, Mark was probably actually um, not Mark's gospel, even though he is the one that wrote it down. It was actually probably Peter dictating it to Mark. So when you read the book of Mark, you're actually reading, if you will, the book of Peter, who did walk with Jesus. And so here's Peter telling Mark all these stories, and Mark is writing them down. And that's going to come into play here in just a little bit as we look at these stories. Um, if we look in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 25, a story that a lot of us are very familiar with, it says this, and when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and they and excuse me, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, "What sort of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him?" You can find this also over in Mark chapter four, verses thirty-five through forty-one. I think it's also in Luke chapter eight. I'm guessing on the eight. Um, I'm sure some of you will be like, I wonder, and you'll flip there while I'm trying to preach it. Um, a lot of times when a minister gets up to preach, um, they're trying to hit a large crowd of people. And uh, that's why I think being part of a, a small group or a disciple-making group is such an important thing. I know it's been a little bit difficult for a lot of us because of, of COVID and everyone trying to be careful, so meeting uh, together in homes has sometimes been difficult and and people are at different places where they feel comfortable on that. And that's okay. But I, I'm going to say when you get up as a minister and you try to preach to the whole congregation, I'm trying to hit all of you. And um, kind of one of the jokes amongst like worship leaders and songwriters in the Christian world is to never actually talk about your struggles in the song, that you sh should only do metaphors, right? And one of the biggest metaphors is like a storm or like an ocean, or like drowning. I'm drowning, right? Because God forbid 
that we write a song that says, Lord, thank you that you set me free from porn. Right? Instead, we sing, Lord, you rescued me when I was drowning. Because it would be way awkward if we were actually honest in our songs. Let's only speak in metaphor any time that we come to the Word. And it's kind of cheating as a minister sometimes when we come to a passage and we say, um, I'm just going to use this as a metaphor of life, kind of like I did last week with Egypt, right? That God is trying to rescue us from Egypt. He's trying to set us free from slavery. But it's, it's truth, right? That is truth, but it's just an easy thing here. And as I was reading this this week, and the Lord was speaking to me, this is something He actually spoke to me a full year ago. And um, as I was looking at it, I was like, I, it just seems like cheating. Because you guys, if you've been in church long at all, you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to talk about the storms of your life. And that Jesus wants to bring peace in the storms of your life. And I read this story, it's like a, Jesus actually calmed like a real physical storm. Do, do you guys realize like it was storming, there were giant waves, their boat was sinking, and Jesus actually calmed a real actual storm that caused real actual fear inside those people. And that's when the Lord said, you, you, you don't think the, the fear inside of them was an actual storm too? Because here's the reality. I know, I know that was a real actual storm. It actually happened. I also know coronavirus is a real actual thing that's actually happened and it's caused fear in people. I know that people losing their jobs is a real actual thing that's happened and has actually caused real fear inside of people. I know that relationship that you're in that's not really working out is causing real actual fear inside of you. And so maybe this is cheating a little bit. Maybe I'm talking about a, a real storm into a metaphorical storm, but the reality is, is the storm wasn't just the waves going on. There was something going on inside of these disciples. And so I'm going to cheat and preach it like that today. I love it, what it says here at the beginning of this verse. If you look up in verse 25, it says, when Jesus got into the boat, in my translation it says, his disciples followed him. His disciples followed him. Say, followed him. Where did they follow him? Where was the boat headed? Into a storm. You're, you can't tell me for a second that Jesus didn't know that storm was coming. They followed him into the boat, and the boat was headed into a storm. And this is a pretty easy one for us to start with this morning is, are you following Jesus? Are you following him? This is a question that the disciples uh, actually reminded Jesus of a few times. Um, one time when, when Jesus told a rich man to give away everything he had. And then Jesus said, yeah, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get in the kingdom of God, and this freaked out the disciples. They're like, wait a minute, we left everything to follow you. 
And I th- this morning, I don't know if I've left everything, everything to follow Jesus. I mean, I left some things. I left my, my past behind. I left my sin behind. But selling everything? The reality is, is Jesus knew this rich man that those riches were the thing he couldn't let go of. What's the thing you haven't been able to let go of to follow Jesus? Have you left everything to follow him? And Mark tells us that Jesus says something to his disciples. Mark tells us in his gospel, Jesus says this. He says, let us go across to the other side. Say, to the other side. And if I were going to title this message this morning, I would title it, To the Other Side. Jesus says, let us go across to the other side. And something happens while they're in this boat where they followed Jesus. They get into it. And here in this passage, it says the, the storm rose and it was being swamped by the waves. Mark tells us that the ship was actually beginning to sink. It was taking on water and beginning to sink. And then we see Jesus, and he's where? He's asleep. He's taking a nap. In the middle of a storm, he's taking a nap. Bill Johnson says, anything you can sleep through, you have authority over. In the middle of the chaos In the storm, Jesus is sleeping. I don't I don't understand. I do it too. I'm just kind of like thinking about myself for a second here. Um I don't understand how we think our worry can make storms stop. Like, the waves are crashing in. We're taking on water in the boat. And if I freak out enough, maybe that'll make the rain let up a little bit. If I fly off the handle big enough, maybe some of the water will begin to be thrown out of the boat. If my freak out is just right, then maybe I'll find a little peace. I don't, I mean, I do it. Like sometimes the storm is, you know, parenting. Anybody ever been in that storm before? Yeah, right? And so let me flip out on my kids. That's going to help. Like it always does, right? And then you're going to your kids and I'm like, I'm sorry. Well, you yeah, the storm, yeah, right? At least you should be going to your kids later and saying, hey, that wasn't right. They need to see you be open and honest and vulnerable enough to admit when you make your mistakes. These guys are freaking out. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't, the waves don't care how much you freak out. They, it, you know, we have a real enemy And you're freak out. How do you think that makes him feel? 
Come on. I got them right where I want them. You know what's weird? Is this is right where Jesus wanted them. He's the one that said, let's go across. And these guys are flipping out. Matthew 6. It says, who by worry can add one day to the life? Like, who by worry? That's what my, um, my, the man that disciples me, David Brockman, I don't know how many times in a conversation or in a text, he just sent me those words right there. Who by worry? And I know exactly what he's talking about. It's not going to make you live longer. It's not going to make sure there's more food in your pantry. It's not going to make sure your clothes end up in your closet. Like, like, there's no provision in worry. All it's doing is robbing you of peace. All it's doing is robbing you. And I tell you this, worry is nothing more than doubting who God is and says what he says he will do for you. Worry is doubt. Fear is doubt. And James is very clear. If you ask and you doubt, you shouldn't expect to receive anything. In fact, I love this. Let me throw this at you. I can't say we, can, we can't accept this as doctrine, but it's pretty good. Actually, it says that if you're in doubt, you actually become part of the storm in James. Because it says someone who doubts is like a man who's tossed by the waves. So when you doubt, you're actually saying, you know what? I will participate with the storm. When we have Peter in another story, sees Jesus coming and realizes it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. He steps out of the boat. He walks on water. Waves going on all around him. And as long as he's keeping his eyes on Jesus, he's walking on the water and as soon as he sees the wind as the story says he sees the wind what is that i saw the wind and it freaked me out he sees the wind and begins to sink and jesus is like why did you doubt like like why why don't you have faith which is crazy the man walked on water your faith wasn't very big man wait did you see me I walked on water. You know, what I, you know what I love? This occurred to me a couple days ago as I'm reading this. We're reading Matthew. You know who wrote this? This is not a trick question. You know who wrote this? Matthew, a disciple of Jesus. He's one of the guys freaking out in the boat. He's writing them, this down about himself. And then we were in the boat and we were all frigging out. Not us. My dad and I were joking around about this. It's like, it's like if it were us, it'd be like, like, and then we'd skip that whole point. It was like, we were in the boat with Jesus. He was taking a nap and a big storm came and Jesus got woken up somehow. And he calmed the storm. We were like, whoa. We'd skip right over the part where he rebukes us for having a little bit of faith. 
What about Peter? Who do, who do you say they have? Oh, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Like, we know who you are. He's like, oh, yeah, God revealed that to you. And then just a little bit later, it's like, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm like, no, no, Jesus, uh, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. Get behind me, Satan. No, we leave that out. We leave the whole get behind me, Satan part out. We don't want Jesus. We, we don't want people to know that we weren't that faithful. And we do that today, right? We have these wonderful little Bibles of our lives. Did you know you have a Bible for your life that you give to other people? It's called Facebook. Like, here's the Bible of my life. Look how perfect it is. I never have struggles. I'm so Jesus-y all the time. What about the times like, guys, I'm really doubting right now. I need some prayers. Like, I need some help. And some people are like that. I get it. You don't want to air your dirty laundry out for the whole world sometimes. But sometimes we do it to each other in church. We're just like, I got it going on. Can I tell you something, guys? Pastor Drew doesn't have it going on all the time. Why do you, you sisters, man, they just amen right then. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's good. The Lord is faithful. There's a reason in our disciple-making groups we always talk about being open, honest, and vulnerable because this whole idea of I've got it all together, like if, if people who had it all together wrote down the words God told them right, there would be nothing here. There would be nothing here. Matthew, he struggled with his faith, and then he recorded it here. And what did he say? He said, Jesus was asleep in the boat, and he said, um, they woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. I, I love it in Mark, they actually say this, teacher, you do not care that we are perishing. Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you even care? I mean, they're talking to God in the flesh, and they're saying, do you even care? You're just taking a nap. I think it is important um, to pray honest prayers to God, right? And this is essentially what it is. They're talking to God. Jesus is God, right? So they're praying. Their prayer is, Lord, do you even care? I think it's okay to pray honest prayers to God. Just be ready for honest responses from God. Because Just be honest with God. Just be honest with God. He's a loving God. He is. He's also a good father that disciplines those he loves. So if you're going to pray, God, do you even care? You better be ready for the, what do you mean do I even care? Like, he rebukes them in this passage. And I'm sure we didn't get the full rebuke. I just feel like we didn't. It just says he rebukes, like he, he calls them out. All we get is, all we get is, um, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I just had a feeling it was a little bit longer of a conversation than that. But that was the gist. The gist of it is, where's your faith? Um, this happens over in Numbers. And I know we don't all read Numbers a lot because it has so many numbers, and only accountants can get into that stuff, man. And um, 
In Numbers, this is where, the, like we talked about last week, God brings the people of Israel out of slavery. He brings them out of Egypt, right? He sets them free. And when they get there, they immediately realize they've got a problem. We're an entire nation of hundreds of thousands of people in the middle of a desert. What are we going to eat, right? And then like, Moses, you just brought us out here so we could die in the desert. Aren't there graves back in Egypt, right? And the Lord's like, I'll provide for you, right? So he gives them manna, and he gives them water, and he leads them, and he guides them like over and over again. And what it tells us in Numbers chapter 14, like they keep complaining and complaining and whining and, and turning their hearts from God, that God finally decides, you know what? I am done with you. I'm done with you. And he tells Moses, Moses, I'll start over with you. Because I promised, my promise was through the line of Abraham. Moses, you're in the line of Abraham, I'm starting over. And Moses is like, no, 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 God. No. I plead with you, Lord, don't get rid, don't kill these people. You promised to bring them into the promised land. You promised to bring them out of Egypt into the promised land. You promised he said, you're right, I did promise to bring this people in there. So I'll tell you what, I will let this people go, just not this generation. This generation is going to die in the wilderness, but their kids will go into the promised land. Why? Because they kept doubting God over again, over and over again. In fact, Numbers 14, it says, I think in like 22 or somewhere in there, it says 10 times. Ten times they were like, are you just trying to kill us, God? Are you even paying attention to us? Why did you bring us out here? Ten times. And nine of those times, the Lord was very patient. And the tenth time, that's when he said to Moses, I'm done. And that's what happens. So it's okay to pray honest prayers to God. Just be ready for honest responses from God. Because can I tell you something right here? What we see, this prayer, is not a prayer of faith. God, don't you even care that we're perishing? That's not a prayer of faith. At least they're praying, though. At least they're going to the right place for help. Let our prayers be prayers full of faith. Where's your team? You need to come on up. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something. We talked about this a little bit last week. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go online and, and listen to that message. But peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. I'll say it again. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. When Jesus gets up, he, re he rebukes the wind. He tells the sea to be still. He says there's great calm. I believe in Mark, he says, peace be still. He tells everything just to calm down. 
Like, he has the authority and control over the situation. And today, let's talk about your situation. You're walking through something, some of you. Some of you have come through stuff in the past already. And you've seen God move and say, peace, be still, and calm down the situation. Ever been in, has anyone ever been in a situation like that? Where you saw God just take control of a situation out of nowhere and just cause peace in it. And you weren't much help because you were one of those guys in the boat just flipping out. In 2 Corinthians, actually let's turn to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 4. verse 16 it says so we do not lose heart so we do not freak out when we're in the boat and everything around us is going crazy when there's chaos in the storm how do I know that that's what he means because you back up to verse 8 it says we are afflicted in every way we are what we're afflicted. Have you ever been afflicted before? We're afflicted in every way. That's not the end of the verse, right? It says, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. And then we get down here where it says, so we do not lose heart, right? Everything's going wrong. We do not lose heart. Why? Though our outer self is wasting away. Like sometimes it's our even actually our physical body that's wasting away, that's causing the storm. Even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Can you just take a deep breath for a second? Just take a deep breath. Man, that feels good. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And this is what it says. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. But the things that are seen, that are unseen, are eternal. Here's the reality. You know why Jesus was probably so upset that they were freaking out about the storm? In my mind, it goes back to the very beginning of the first part of this passage that we find in Mark. He said, let us go across to the other side. 
He said it. He said, let us go across to the other side. And so when the storm comes up, that doesn't change the promise that he made, which was what? Let us go across to the other side. Guys, if the Lord said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. And there might be a storm along the way, but we're going to the other side. Like if Jesus is with us, we can have peace because he's with us as we go to the other side. We may be slaves in Egypt and end up out in the desert with no food, no water, no nothing. But if he said we're going to the promised land, we're going to the promised land. Like God always does what he says. I'm reminded of John 16. I think I am. Let's see if I'm right. Yes. John 16. This is Jesus talking in verse 33. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In who? In Jesus. Jesus has given us his word so that in Jesus Drew can have peace. Then he says this, in this world you will have tribulation, or your translation might say trouble. There's a promise. He didn't say maybe. He said you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. Anybody experience that? Some trouble or tribulation? You can go ahead and raise your hand. I just make sure you're awake with me this morning. Jesus took a nap. You're not supposed to right now. Unless this sermon is trouble for you. I'm just being biblical, Pastor Drew. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have promised you that we will go to the other side. So whatever your storm is, as Paul said, it's a light and temporary affliction. It's transient. It's temporary. That God will get you to the other side. Listen, you might not be able to see the shore over there. You might not be able to see the shore. But we don't put our eyes on things that are seen. We put it on things that are unseen. I'm going to be honest, guys. If I'm in a boat with you, we're having problems I'm probably more likely to trust the guy that's taking a nap than the guy that's flipping out we're supposed to be like Jesus right and so here's the reality like maybe today you're not walking through any kind of storm or tribulation thank God if that's you today thank God that you're in a peaceful moment but when it comes be like Jesus. Like, be at peace. Be at rest. So that you can be, so you can be an image bearer. So you can be an, an example for other people how to walk through storms. And so here's our greatest example is Jesus himself. Jesus himself with his feet pointed at Jerusalem. Knowing that when he gets there, He's going to die on a cross. He knows it. And he walks to it. 
because he knows what's on the other side. The scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What does that mean? It says, he knew that a promise was on the other side. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the storm, despising its shame. You don't, I'm not saying you have to like the storm you're going through. I'm not saying you have to enjoy it. I, I'm not even saying that there might not some, be some sadness and weeping. I'm going to tell you this morning, there's a difference between grief and sadness and worry. Those are two different things. There's a difference between pain and doubt. But trust the king. Trust the one who's at peace. Will you stand with me? We just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just, I just want to do this this morning. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I, I'm in a storm. Right now, I'm, I'm in a storm. I, some of you might think, maybe it's a giant storm. You do, you, not only can you not see the shore on their side, you just, you can't even see beyond your own hand. Or maybe you're like, well, it's not a bad storm. It's just kind of a shower. I wasn't, I was planning on a sunny day. I don't, I don't care what it is. If there's something going on in your life this morning, you put your eyes on rather than Jesus, will you raise your hand this morning? Just raise it real high. Say, I'm, I've got a storm. I've got a storm. Come on. Come on. Lord Jesus, We thank you that you are our peace. Prince of peace, I pray that you would come. Send your Holy Spirit in this place to be a comforter.
talk to the Lord. I, I want you to worship for just a second, but if nothing else, if you hear nothing else this morning, you hear this. God is faithful. Look at me for just a second. God is faithful. God is faithful. And that's why we can say this next part that I think is the most important is Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.